hello, and thank you for joining the Dr. Whisperer podcast. I am your host, Sharon Feckety. I am the Dr. Whisperer, and I am so happy that you chose this podcast to listen to when there are so many choices out there. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider writing a review or typing one, shall I say, and sharing it with somebody who might benefit or enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Well, I'm very happy today to have a healthcare CEO on the show with me today. His name is Dr. Bakhtari, and we chatted a few before I hit record, like I always do. And then I'm always like, I wish I was recording right now because Mm -hmm. most of the juice happens before I hit record. So we're going to try to continue the juice flow throughout this show. Um, I have been listening to uh, Dr. Bakhtari's podcast, which uh, is in the show notes. So I highly recommend that you all follow. Um, and if you are like me and have the attention span of a flea, you can go and get a bunch of clips from his wonderful Instagram page um, and learn more about all of the things and all of the knowledge. Any question you want answered actually about COVID-19 right now, pretty sure you can get in 10 minutes on one minute clips on his Instagram page. Is that correct? Perfect. Thank you. Yes, we try to make it simple. And keeping it simple is really what we need. Mm -hmm. So um, I really would like to know, because my interest is always about the story of who somebody is. So I realize that you are a physician, uh, former triple board certified internal med, pulmonology, critical care, you know, big deal. I'm just kidding. Of course, (laughs) it only took years off of your life to get that. Um, but who are you? Where were you born? You have a family? Where do you live? Yeah, well, uh, we'll work backwards. I live in Las Vegas. I have a family. I have three beautiful boys, a wonderful family, wonderful wife. And then I actually grew up in Chicago. Um, yeah, so grew up in Chicago and then really left Chicago for my education, wound up going to Case Western Reserve University for my undergraduate degree in biology and psychology. Then I went uh, to medical school at Ohio State, um, Big Ten School in Columbus, small little Big Ten school, uh, and then made my way to Northwestern University for my internal medicine residency in Chicago. <clears throat> and then finally went to UCLA to do my fellowship in pulmonary and critical care. Mm. Uh, so kind of work my way west for my education. And then after, pretty much right after a little bit right after that, uh, after I finished UCLA, made my way to Las Vegas a year or two later, uh, and been here since. So how many years is that now that you've been in Vegas? Uh, boys, um, 20 years plus. Yeah. Beautiful. It turns out that there is more to do in Vegas than go to casinos on the strip. Mm-hmm. Just like there's more to do in New Orleans than Bourbon Street that I just right. found out after going to a wedding. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there are beautiful places in Louisiana. Bourbon Street was all I seemed to um, fall into because of the wedding I attended. But um, I'm really, really uh, excited to talk to you because as I've had the great pleasure of working with and interviewing so many physicians on the show, there aren't many that, um, what I like to say, break out of corporate and decide to blend their medical background along with their um, entrepreneurial bug and, mm-hmm. and, and move out and, and step out in faith and, and try something that really 
you know, ignites a, a passion inside of you. So why don't you tell me a little bit about um, how you decided to go from, I mean, my goodness, internal med, pulmonary, critical care to what you're doing now. Yeah, I think, you know, part of it was always getting to the next level when you were in medical, I, well, I got to get into internal medicine. And when you get into, oh, I got to really get into pulmonary and got to get into critical care. And then, well, okay, I got to get a job. I got to join a group. Well, I'm a junior partner. I got to become a senior partner. And there was always like the next thing. And then once you get to senior partner, uh, for a person who's always trying to look for the next step, it kind of seemed anticlimactic. I mean, right. especially after a few years of being a senior partner, you're like, like, you know, if you're the kind of person always looking for the next challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I said, well, you know, why don't I just do some administrative medicine and just get on a committee here? And next thing you know, you know, I was chairman of internal medicine. Um, so you did that. And, you know, and then somebody said, hey, we have a position on a committee at Blue Cross. Would you mind being on that? And it was always one door opening the next door. Mm. next you know then i was um, medical director for anthem blue cross blue shield for the state of nevada and then that opened up another door at another insurance company and then uh i got the opportunity to be medical directors at hospitals and and then i also got an opportunity to do clinical faculty at medical school so i was on the clinical side the teaching side the hospital administrative side and the and then of course the insurance side and that really laid the groundwork for understanding everything that's right and everything that's wrong. Yes. You know, with, with the medical system. So it was an evolution mm. by being on the teaching clinical hospital insurance side, you know, very few people are, are fortunate enough to be in all four of those pillars. Mm. So when they come at solving the problem, you know, they have all four perspectives. So I, I like to think that helped us understand what we had to do to really create a new space, a new way of doing things. Yeah, I, I love that. I think, um, you know, it, it took a long time for me to be in business on my own to realize that my my true goal as the doctor was for is really just to improve patient care. Right. But I didn't, it didn't start out that way. I've always been very business-minded and uh, coming from New York and, and growing up and having this eye-opening um, education in, in what medicine can look like, what it should look like, and then realizing, you know, how physicians, you know, you spend so much time in school and then most doctors, when they leave school, they're either entering a hospital setting or a very large practice. And like you said, then, you know, you go the partner route and, and there are so many doctors out there that do want to continue that climb. And it's this um, wonderful space to be in, to want to fulfill a need to make ultimately patient care better. But in order to do that, you really do have to understand that medicine is a business, right? And even though I've had many physicians through the years say, well, you know, I don't want to have that conversation about how much money the patient owes me. Well, actually, no, you shouldn't, but right. you need to have the proper people in place. So what has it been like for you through this um, pandemic? Of course, that is a, I really do highly recommend. I think every question that I had still floating around, you answered on your Instagram page. So uh, I really uh, do recommend uh, that. 
One of them being like, you know, can I take the flu shot and the booster shot? You know, just little things going mm -hmm. that you're not too sure of. So what has it been like yeah. for you through the pandemic? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because obviously initially when it hit, you know, uh, everybody was concerned, my staff, you know, and wanted to protect them and, you know, just understanding how and, but getting past it, it was, you know, it was, it was a very amazing thing because as I told you offline, you know, uh, our clinics don't do primary care. We don't do urgent care. We're not seeing sick people. All we were doing prior to COVID is protecting ad adults mainly by adult vaccinations and testing and and then you know physicals associated with that and other services associated with that so in many ways it was uh, kind of ridiculous because um a lot of companies that are now covid companies pivoted to covid mm -hmm. you know i i don't know they were like doing you know occupational medicine or they were doing urgent care now they're a covid company uh or whatever we were doing this, all our software, everything, my staff, you know, we have $10,000 vaccine refrigerators from Panasonic, which keeps the temperature equal at every part of the fridge. And we have a, you know, a, a thing that emails us if the temperature is a half a degree off anywhere in the fridge. And, you know, we were already doing that. We weren't pivoting. Mm -hmm. And so luckily, and all our processes, procedures, the staff training, uh was already in place our technology uh so we launched like nationwide COVID saliva testing from home or work early on in the pandemic nice uh before anybody did and mainly because you know, for whatever i mean that's what we were doing before it hit and uh, my staff give them a lot of credit i mean oh my gosh in the span of two months they all like geared up and you know we got vendors line we redid you know tweak technology and uh, our goal was not even from a business point of view, but how could we have an impact on this pandemic in a meaningful way? Mm -hmm. uh, so people who, you know, for example, needed testing in remote areas of the country could have access to it. You know, we we sent them a package; they could FedEx it back, and we'd had a, and then we had a portal. The results would show up, and mm -hmm. you know, to, and set up accounts with FedEx and this and that, and. All of that, my staff, oh my gosh, they crunched a lot of hours. And But if we had the backbone there to begin with. Right. And that made it easy. So yeah, that's how we came out dealing with the pandemic. How many staff members do you have? Um, between both uh, organizations, probably have 50. Yeah. Nice. So um, another thing we were talking about offline is the wonderful power of a review. And you have 10,000 positive, of course, it's going to be a few negatives thrown in there, right. reviews, which is so, um, well, it's pretty special and rare <laughs> to mm -hmm. have all of those positive reviews. So it certainly speaks to the good work that you are doing um, in your business. I'm interested in knowing what you see, you know, for me, I work with a lot of doctors that have broken out of corporate and I have doctors that have been in telehealth years and years and years prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So there was no real pivoting. You know, you really have to have almost this entrepreneurial mindset to not plan for the now, but plan for the future. And, right. and one of the things that I've seen you do really well is to, you know, jump on this podcasting, um, mm -hmm. social media. And I've heard 
I've heard all of the feedback, as you can imagine. I'm sure you have too. I'm, mm. you know, I'm a professional, darling. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do social media, mm-hmm. right? How do I do a podcast? Who wants to listen to me talk about, you know, primary care or plastic mm. surgery, whatever? So, right. what what gave you that? Um, what was it? What was it? What you know? Some people, you know, I opened my media company three years ago because I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk. And that's uh-huh. the truth, right? Like I thought I, I can do social media a heck of a lot better than what I see out there. Why right. wouldn't I go ahead and do that myself um, and add that um, to my business? So what was it for you? Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. Well, I, you know, like I told you offline, you know, we're not doing these podcasts. We're not selling anything. We're not trying to monetize it. I, I think I've always been an educator before. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort of got that part of me out by being on clinical faculty at medical schools. I've been on clinical faculty at three medical schools. So I've taught interns, residents, fellows, medical students, um, nursing staff, uh, respiratory therapists. I mean, I've, I've been in charge of education uh, for them, you know, for most of my career on, on clinical staff in med- medical schools. And then Within our organization, I'm, I'm, you know, very involved in education and, and making sure that we have quality and the staff feels comfortable doing everything. Um, but I think, you know, the, this opportunity to do education and uh, help people and promote preventative health and wellness, promote vaccine, adult vaccinations was something that we felt really strongly about. And, you know, we're probably, even though we're local in Nevada, uh, you know, I really think when it comes to adult vaccinations, we are the 900 pound gorilla. I mean, there's nobody that knows more about adult vaccinations than my staff. I mean, they, uh, they are the powerhouse. I mean, truthfully, people, you know, in government sometimes come reach out to us Mm. and ask for clarifications on things. We you know, we really, because this is, and and mind you, of course, I have an amazing staff, but something powerful happens when that's the only thing you do. Yes, I agree. You, you mm-hmm. know, when you're, when you're doing, if you're in urgent care and you're doing a couple of vaccinations on the side, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the corner, you know, a few times a week, you're not a vaccine authority. That's right. When, when you don't do primary care, you don't do urgent care, you don't do occupational medicine. And all you do is focus on vaccinations mm-hmm. and you set up policies, procedures, technology, uh, and training only to do adult vaccinations. Uh, you get a perspective that you can't get uh, any other way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that puts us in a very unique position. You know, I, I doubt there's anybody 
in the country that knows more about adult vaccinations than some of my clinical staff, for sure. I mean, they they could they could be a world authority because mm. they're doing it, you know, you know, all day long, you know, every day of the week. And so it's a pretty kind of uh, interesting place because we live and breathe preventative health and adult vaccination. So it puts us in a very unique perspective. Well, now more than ever, right? Don't we need vaccine authorities to <laughs> combat all of the crap yeah. that you hear? Um, it's unfortunate. Um, and, and working in this industry, I, God, I, I want to say so much, but sometimes I, I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. Just, no, just say it. But, you know, I mean, I work with um, physicians even that have not gotten vaccinated. And um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, and a lot of nurse practitioners, nurses, and, and the things that mm-hmm. I've seen and heard, and, and I'm no authority. I'm not even a doctor. I'm just whispering. So um, I, I, I listen and I don't really formulate too many opinions because that can get me in trouble. But I certainly would value the authorities such as you were just mentioning to really kind of um, squash some of the, the fear that is so pent up in so many people. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, just in the last two days, a, a girlfriend of mine lost a family member and wasn't vaccinated um, for, for COVID. And that's, that's happened all over the world right now. Um, and so we, we need to hear more. And what you just said about being, sorry, I'm like excited about what you're saying now. So (laughs) jumping in on it. Well, you were just saying about being great at one thing, Uh you know, when, when I go today and I see that I won't even name a specialty, but I go for one specialty and I see that they're offering seven other services. Yeah. Like Botox, weight loss, uh, vitamins to lose weight. This, yeah. The whole shtick. It's a, sh- yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I loved, you had this um, one clip with, I, I don't know who you were speaking to, but how easy it is for people to become specialists at providing other services without actually being the specialist. Right. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Can you yeah. elaborate on that? On that point, I, well, I just think there's a lot of economic pressures <clears throat> on certain, you know, groups and whatever to, you know, expand their services, especially if it's kind of a cash paying thing like Botox and weight loss and stop smoking and you know, vitamins and, you know, but, you know, the, I think the funny thing is, <clears throat> I think when most people walk into a doc, their primary care office and they see that he offers Botox, I think they get it. I think they get it like, huh, really? <laughs> Okay, Botox or derma this or derma that. Uh, I I think uh, so. I think yeah. There's immense amount of pressure to, as insurance companies clamp down on reimbursements, to kind of diversify. But uh, there's a downside to that because, you know, you need training, you need staff, you need to focus, you need to understand, you need to market properly. There's a lot to know. Uh, so. It's not as simple as let's just add that service on, uh, ideally. Yeah, I mean, and people come to me a lot for recommendations of who they should go see for different specialties. And because I know what's really going on on the inside, you know, I mean, the first time I ever got Botox, it was a pediatric nurse practitioner. Hey, listen, mm-hmm. I don't know any kids under eight. 
that are yeah. getting Botox. <laughs> Just saying, right? Not sure. I mean, who knows what's next, but I don't know. Yeah. So there really, it speaks to, um, for sure, you really have to, you have to get more educated. The patient has to become more educated about the facility they're going to use, the doctor they're going to go to, the space where they're going to learn about vaccines. And, um, and again, we'll, we'll have all the information in the show notes about how to read up on all 10,000 of those reviews. Mm. So people can, can get a better understanding. How have you liked um, being an entrepreneur doctor? Yeah. You know, the, it's the whole thing. The grass is greener on the other side, right? When you're clinical, you're thinking, Oh, look at that guy who's an entrepreneur. Like his, he doesn't have to deal with like seeing 20 patients a day and his life must be so amazing because, uh, you know, he's not taking calls maybe, and he doesn't have you know, work weekend, but it's always the grass is greener on the other side, because when you get on this side, you're like, whoa, uh, you know, this, there are challenges, you know, with hiring and HR and, you know, policies and procedures and, you know, the cash flow and economics and what have you. So, I mean, it, it is definitely, you have to acquire new skills. You, mm-hmm. There are new skill sets you have to acquire. Yeah. And the, and the tuition to acquire those skills is, you know, losing money initially uh, because you, you don't know, you know, you, you, you know, you don't know how to hire, you don't know, you know, how to put, you know, you know economic uh, structures in place and find a good financial people. And so you make mistakes and I call that paying tuition yeah. to, to transfer out from clinical to non-clinical, you pay tuition. It doesn't seem like it's, tu- they, they don't call it tuition. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you you have to it's for this education to you know move from clinical to entrepreneurship. Yeah, there is a, a I don't want to say you waste money, but there is a, a certain amount of money that you kind of blow through because you don't know what you're doing, and hopefully you you catch on, and hopefully you uh, you know affiliate yourself with other people who've been through it, right? Who can who can minimize the tuition. Yes. Yes. Learn from the people that have already made those mistakes. Uh, right. I did. Yeah. Like yeah. I saw, I saw on your website, you know, to toot your horn about the front office thing and what have you. I mean, you know, go to people like that. So you don't have to go through it. Uh, and it will minimize your tuition for that. A hundred percent. You know, it's, um, it's kind of amazing how, uh, I, I just this morning, I got a text message from a doctor that asked, they want to meet with me about um, how much, what are my services? How much does it cost to start a podcast? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just like, I hit her with nine questions in a row just to, well, because I needed to ask those questions, but also to overwhelm because mm-hmm. it's, as you have, I'm sure seen and witnessed by doing is really when you, when you learn, right. You mm-hmm. are doing the podcast, you are doing the branding, you are doing the social media and you, you kind of learn as you go. And, and there are definitely going to be mistakes made. And um, certainly the team that surrounds us is absolutely 100% the most important and you giving praise to your staff. Well, that just makes me like you more just saying, because <laughs> really without our team, right? We're nothing. Yeah. You know, when, it, when people say about those 10,000 reviews that were truly truly reflection of, of, of my staff and the technology. Uh, I mean, there, you'll never see my name in any of those reviews, 
uh, it's all, and so there's no, I'm, I'm not just being, uh, uh, you know, disingenuous. It really is them because, uh, you know, the, they're the ones that are making that experience amazing. I agree a hundred percent. Well, doctor, we're going to have to do a part two. Can I get you back to do a part two? Uh, I'd love to. I would that would be to. awesome because I really have too many questions running through my mind that I know that you'd be great at answering. And I really enjoyed our time together, but as you know, most people have the attention span of a flea. So <laughs> we will cater to that audience today and, um, and have you back again, but thank you for your time. And I, I wish you the best through the holiday season. Same to you. Happy holidays. Thanks for having me. Viva Las Vegas. All right. I'm mean. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout. Thank you.